All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. What up, y'all? It's Unpaid Bill from Questlove Supreme. We are back with part two of the Questlove Supreme interview with Steve Ritter. Steve co-founded Loud Records and put out some incredible albums by Wu-Tang, Raekwon, Mob Deep, and more. If you haven't listened to part one, please check it out. Steve talks about growing up in the music industry, James Brown coming to his bar mitzvah, his relationship with Tupac, and putting out some hip-hop classics. Check it. I, I will say that my first listen to that album. 36 Chambers or Cuban Lamps? Oh, 36 Chambers. So the day that both Marauders and, and Ender the Wu-Tang comes out and we're driving up 95 from Philly listening to this. And, you know, I know it, not, not since Prince's fan base with the album Dirty Mind have I heard what I deem like revision on an opinion of the record. When I first heard the Wu-Tang record, and not that I was looking from like a, a, a commercial standpoint or an underground standpoint, but I just never heard something so dirty in my life. I don't know. I just, I just like, this is way too underground for regular people. And yet it almost became the pinnacle of main. It's weird. It's like they became... They became the epicenter in the mainstream of the system that they were against, which, you know, I, I wasn't like, complaining. Did they? they were a rock Dude, and roll. Wu-Tang, I mean, was, they, Wu-Tang still they, has power. Oh, yeah, they do. But I just mean they still are still, they're not, they still not no, looked at no, no, as. I don't mean, in a, I don't mean like in yeah. a four, four letter word way, like, ah, they're, they're mainstream. They're cursed. Right. No, but I'm just saying that I, there's no way you're going to tell me on that first listen that this group. I'm with you. Was going to be. The alpha and the mega and the epicenter of what? But, but let me ask you a question. Sorry for cutting you off. Yeah. When you heard when you heard Cream and Can It Be for the first time? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. What, what, what did what? I remember. I remember hearing Cream for the first time in the studio. It's the singles. Right. The singles. I knew. I mean, I knew actually before because I I was on the road. I moved to New York, and I opened up. The New York office, and I opened up, and I took an apartment in New York, and now I was by coastal. Mm-hmm. But, but at the end of the day, when Cream came on, and forget about the part 
with Mets on the hook, with dollar, dollar bill, you are, and what that meant to me or whatever. Right. But I just knew that this album, there was something fucking special about it. Then three months later, my office in LA was on Melrose and Kings Road where Cookies is. Literally, the building where Cookies is. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to the deli to grab a sandwich, and I see this white kid head down to here on a fucking skateboard with the old Wu-Tang Scully singing Wu-Tang painting, not the fuck with. And I knew Gecko. I said, at my age now, I'm 60 years old now. I said, right. hey, when I'm fucking 60, they're still going to be around. Yeah. I don't know. In, in my mind, it was just like, again, I, I got to go back to the first Jungle Brothers record. Like, the Jungle Brothers' first album, Straight Out the Jungle, was just like an inside secret for like real heads. Meanwhile, like mainstream America only feels Hammer, Vanilla Ice, like more, you know, mainstream rappers. And I, I, can I ask you one question, though? I, yes. Jungle Brothers was on Tommy Boy, correct? Uh, no, no, no. That's De La Soul. Jungle Brothers was on Warlock and then went to Warner Brothers for the second album. Okay. And I was just like, just to me, I, you know, once once Cream started picking up traction, I was like, wait a minute. This is almost like if Straight Out the Jungle by the Jungle Brothers really got a chance. Now, I mean, there's a lot of factors into the success of Wu-Tang Clan. But what I was basically leading up to was upon first listen of that entire record, you knew you had lightning in a bottle in your possession? Yeah, I knew we had lightning when um, Outkast was throwing a party. I, when did the, their album came out? The summer of 93, 94. I know, I was at a party, an album release party. I was with mm-hmm. Steve Stout. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the Emmy, I think, I think Clark Kent was DJing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the METHOD record came on. And we're talking, and also everybody just went straight to the, to the dance floor mm-hmm. and losing their fucking mind. And mm-hmm. that's when I knew that there was, it was like my first, like I needed to see it with my own eyes, right? And that's why I like to be outside. So it was like, at the end of the day, like when I see something with my eyes, and that's what made me move to New York uh, and open up shop in New York. And then you remember the new music seminar? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right, then I said, clock, let's find the club. It was, um, we've, area, it was, it was area. And um, they let me do a showcase with the Licks Twister, and all of New York showed up. Shout, shout out to G too, Wu Tang's trusty uh, one. One of their many street team people that I've associated Wu with. Uh, G used to be part of the the Princeton hip hop mm-hmm. circle. That you know, um, Princeton. Yeah, but you know, he he would also work the Philadelphia market, like. Rizzo would have like his side guys, also. or I don't know if G was part of Rifkin's street promotion team or Rizzo's personal people, but that's how I got hip to them. All right, so I have to ask you the other side of the coin too, because okay. a big part of my personal success was also being the guy on standby whenever somebody would mess up, i.e., Blah 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 is not going to make it to the show. Can you guys get here in twelve hours? Da da da, just dropped out. Yo, can you guys fly in next week? And literally, at the beginning of Wu Tang Forever, I swear to God, at least sixty percent of my entire 
output of doing shows were based on Wu-Tang shows not attended. <laughs> during, the, during the period of, of 97. Are you talking about the Wu-Tang Rage Against the Machine tour? Or? Starting then, but just basically, you know, like the Roots might as well have been, you know, the 12th member of the Wu-Tang Clan because literally he's like, uh, Wu's supposed to come or, or whatever designated Wu member was supposed to show up and, whoosh, okay, we'll get the Roots instead. So for me, though, in 1997, and I, I have my theories about this, what are your feelings on Wu-Tang Forever? It's a double album. Right. You know, but did you get goosebumps? <laughs> on, on certain songs. All right. The album, I mean, it was a double album. So, like I said, I never considered myself an a and I got goosebumps on Triumph. I got goosebumps. I've got the name of the record. It's yours. And there was one, and, and, and there was one more record, which I would have. Where I really got goosebumps, but at the end of the day, I put that tour together between Wu Tang and Rage. Right, right, and you know we um, it was the first million dollar hip hop video. Brett Ratner directed it. Oh um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, look, no, nothing gets. I I just I don't. From my perspective, ah, uh, that okay. So first of all, I feel like. The, the strength of Triumph was that it was the first offering. I mean, you know, it, it could have been, like, name any other song from that. It could have been Dog Shit, the song, not actual Dog Shit. I mean, it could have been Reunited. It could, it could have been whatever whatever the first song from that album was going to come forth was going to be an oh, instant. Re- Reunited was the song that gave me goosebumps. It's yours, Triumph. And right. Why didn't Reunited... To me, the opening reunited. I mean, Riz's I mean, verse, you know, was r- ridiculous in that. I mean, because they started fighting. So let, let me just tell you where, where I am, right? Right. Biggie passes a few months before that, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Me and Puff had conversations before Big passed. Who's going to come first? Who or Biggie? And we were both coming with a double out. So Big was always going to come first. Right. Because I didn't really, we didn't, we weren't having radio records, right? So we have Brett do the video. And like you said, whatever the video was, the video, the video was. But to me, they were a, a rock and roll group or they were a group, right? So the Rage Tour mm-hmm. was, right? We sold 8 million records on that album. If they finished that tour, Right, because we already we started in Florida and we were coming up to New York, so that was already home base. Like, and sales were going up. Now we were going to do the bum fuck, you know, like the mid mid Indiana, like the mid 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 Midwest and West Coast. That album would have sold twenty million records, and that was always my plan. If we ended up, should have went diamond. I agree with you. It should have went diamond. I, I, you know, I don't know the exact conditions. I don't, you know, I, I, I know it was a fire. I, I always felt like, ah, whenever, whenever get, someone they, gets a good formula and they change it, 
I wish they didn't make that record in California. I wish they would have stayed. Well, well, the problem was, if you saw the show, Riz's house got flooded. Everything was destroyed. Right. So they, he, had, he had to start from scratch anyway. And with everybody having solo records, I, I understand what you're saying. Right. But with, everybody, with everybody having solo records, in New York, you're being pulled 10 different ways. Everybody's being pulled 10 different ways. They, they all went platinum. Jizz went platinum. Ghost went platinum. Meth went platinum. Ray went platinum. So it's like they're getting... So them being in one house together and to create that unity, how they had it on the first album... Granted, it wasn't Shaolin and it wasn't in a basement. Right. Right? But the house got flooded and everything was everything was destroyed. Can I ask, though, um, I kind of feel like the end of that reign, kind of not the end of that reign, but at least the, the stronghold of, of that initial period was the Hot 97 situation. Uh, with... I mean, that- that was a bad situation. I was on my yeah, bachelor. Could you have rectified that situation or like, how do you, in terms of, are you the type of CEO that has to talk to the artist to stop them from sabotaging their progress or whatever? Or could you explain the story of that whole Hot 97 situation and then like Hot 97 not playing Wu-Tang anymore? And I, I, was, I, was, I was on a plane. I was, it was my bachelor party. Okay. <laughs> I was flying from Dallas to Atlanta and, um, you know, we land and, um, my phone's blowing the fuck up, but you know, I have all pretty much my senior executives with me, you know, was my brother was a partner, my best friend, my childhood best friend, Rich, you know, was a partner, Mojo, who's, you know, became a brother and running promotion. You you know, they, they were all with me and I'm getting, you know, this is when everybody had to, you know, not even the two-way, just the pages still. And, um, like, what the fuck's happening? And I couldn't get Riz on the phone. And then Tracy, who was the program director for the Hot 97, yes. just called me. I'm getting married in four fucking days. Like, called me and just says, go fuck yourself. Like, you know, just like, I mean, if she was a dude, we would have went to fist, Right. But and, she uh, didn't know that you'd personally like. She 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 was venting, right? Like, I don't even think she was so mad. I don't even think she went to the wedding, and she was invited to the wedding. Don't forget, Wu Tang was the first rap record that Hot ninety seven fucking played. They were a dance station. Hot ninety seven was also on that no rap work day, right? Yeah, more music, less rap. They they were on that. No, Shit. they weren't a rap. I mean, no, Hot ninety seven was a dance station, like right. Okay. And then Flex was, I mean, between Flex and Angie, they're the ones that took it to a whole different place where Flex had a show on the weekends, you know, and then thank God, you know, and then thank God, you know, Puff came with flavor in the ear. And there was some, you know, and then finally, you know, right. And he, he was making those records. Like, so thank God for him. Was, you know, so there was. It was absolutely unrepairable. I, I guess for our listeners that are, are are hearing, you know, they're they're doing summer jam, and I, you know, I, I don't and know I, if it was Ghostface or I, I forgot well, who said something cool. out of line. <laughs> Fuck Hot ninety seven. They don't play our well, shit. Well, you know, oh. listen, let's keep it a hundred. There was seventy five thousand fucking people there. Right, right. They're making a fortune. So. 
we were we were on tour with Rage, right? And at the end of it, we weren't getting paid a lot of money yet. Right. Yeah. It was really a, a Rage tour, and and Ghost, you know, should he have said it? No, but I'm about to say that don't help with your argument, though, Steve. With Tracy, and that don't. It's how, still like just to be clear, <laughs> artists do not get paid for doing uh, for summer shows. Jams. No, no, but right. no, now they get. You know, they started getting paid a few years ago. Not a few years Hell ago. Yeah. A, few years, a few years after that, they were getting paid big dollars. I see. See. Imagine Nicki Minaj not getting paid these what? Yeah, for Hot 97. Well, okay. no, I mean, but just black artists in general, just, you know, you just those radio are promo so in depth to black radio that you, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll do it for free. You know, as long as you keep playing my records. Mm-hmm. But, so there was literally, absolutely no she, for a no while, Mia Culpa, she, no So, for a while, they even banned all loud records. What? Yeah, this is a thing, Pete. But this is what was happening too, right, Steve? Well, at the time when an artist would do something wrong, that's what. I mean, I mean, we, me and Tracy were friends. Who else is she going to take it out of? Right. But you know, Amir, this happened in Philly with Beans. Like it. Mm. I it happened, did not it happened know with that. Foxy Brown with Def Jam when she cussed out Kobe, and they said we ain't paying, we ain't playing these records for a minute. Like that, it, it feels like an I air did run. not know that. Okay. Yeah. Um. So with. Actually, you mentioned Puff. I was going to ask, with the with the opening sketch of uh, side three or side two of the purple tape of uh, Raekwon, when they kind of, you know, draw a line in the sand with Bad Boy and Wu-Tang, i.e. the, I guess by that point in 95, Bad Boy was establishing himself as more of a mainstream uh, middle... <laughs> No, middle no, of the aisle I mean, uh, I mean, label. They, they were, I mean, no, I mean, look, look we got to give credit where credit is due. I mean, Puff had everybody. I mean, he he had the palm, the world in the palm of his hands. He was coming with it after hit. And, you know, what Ray, what Ray Go, or Ghost said, you know, me and Puff spoke. He goes, what was that about? I said, I don't know. I'm, you know, I, I have no idea. But I go, let's just keep it. We're in two totally different lanes. We're, we're not even in, in the same freeway. Like, you know, I'm I'm just using New York. Like, you know, we're on mm-hmm. the Northern State, they're on the LIA, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like I'm I'm not trying to compete with Puff. It's Thank two God. different things. He he he's making radio, radio records. We're still making records for, for the street. And I'm not like I'm trying to help Puff get as much as he possibly can. Like so and you know, and they worked it out a few months later. So I, I mean, always wanted to know what the response was because you know I yeah, no. When when Shook said "fuck New York" or whatever, whatever the hell he said at the Source Awards, mm-hmm. right? That 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 that's when we all they all reunited again, right? And that that, that was like two weeks after we came out with the album. Wow. So were you there for Hip Hop's funeral? <laughs> um, I was there. No, I wasn't there because my son was just born, so I pretty much was taken that summer off. Not there. Hey, Steve, right. can, can I ask a question real quick about these yeah. records? Since you had such not made for radio records, but yet and still, it seems like you got to a stride where y'all were picking like amazing singles. I had the best. I, I had the best A and R staff to this day. They weren't. And who producing. was that person? Okay. No, there was a t- was a team. It was a guy okay. named Matt. It was a guy named Maddie C who actually discovered Biggie. He worked at Maddie the C. Yes. Right. It was a guy Maddie named C. The I remember the, yes, I remember the name. Yes. Right. Yes. Scott Free started off as my assistant, and he got himself. Into um, A and R quickly. Stretch Armstrong, who had the Stretch and Bobito show. Ah. And then, Stretch and was then doing A and R. Yeah, 
and then Stretch um, was picking radio he, he, hits. He was he was the first one, and then a guy by the name of Sean C came. Yes, Sean C. Yeah, yeah, yes. yes. Speaking of Maddie C, um, Mopti, I remember getting Shook One's Part One. How, how in the world did you guys manage to on the second go round? Again, capture lightning in the bottom, like the street team. So I was saying the streets don't lie. The record was cool. It did what it was supposed to do, but it wasn't a fucking smash. And we came in there, you know, and um, I said, Maddie, what are we going to do? You know, um, you know, we're cool, but this is not going to drive any anything home. And he goes, matter of fact, Havoc just did a remix last night. Here it is. And, and you heard it. And we heard it. And I was on my way to How Can I Be Down? And um, I had a Walkman, not even a Discman. I had a Walkman. Mm-hmm. And I was in a car with them stretching Bobito. And I was on my, me and Bobito, I used to play basketball. And it was like some type of celebrity game. Mm-hmm. And um, they lost their mind. And you know they were the they were, they were the first one to play it. They played it. We gave it to Flex. This is September October, and then when we came back after Christmas, it was the biggest record in New York. So, uh, but I'm saying in your mind, it wasn't like, oh well, that didn't make it. All right, what else you guys got? Like, no, I, I think okay. another A and R or CEO would have just been like, oh well, that's still born. So. What else? What else is down the pike? But nah, it's just I mean, unheard I, I, of to when, when they resuscitate the, a song like that. When they when they came to the office, I knew they were the perfect. Like, who is your first child? And I got my first check and my first plaque and everything else like that. But you know, when you give a jab, you got to come with a cross or a hook, right? Fuck it, right away, right? So, who definitely shook people and got everybody's attention. But when we came with Bob, that's when every, we, everybody knew that Lab was for real. And don't forget, I still had the marketing company. So the bigger Lab got, the bigger the marketing company got. The bigger the marketing company, the more people wanted to be at Lab. And we, wow. were, like three for, we were like three for three. You know, well, Madcap, we made a little bit of money, but it, it just did a little over 100. But, you know, mm-hmm. the Licks didn't go gold, but the Licks did 300,000. Who did... Two million on, mm-hmm. on the first record, and you know, and Mob did it. You know, they went platinum on the first album. So even with you knowing, like, because me, you know, I I knew of and I had the the fourth and Broadway mm-hmm. Mob deep, the, 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 hit from the back. Yeah, yeah, hit it from I the mean. back and all that stuff. Like, but in your mind, you were like, yeah, these guys are going to still be a thing. Yeah, I mean. They came to the office. They want, I don't know if they were going to smoke a cigarette or if they were going to smoke a blunt, but they went to the bathroom. And this is in like, you know, a corporate building. Right. <laughs> and they lit. Prodigy wasn't there because he was sick. At the time, mm-hmm. it was Havoc and, you know, some of the guys. 12 guys, and, right. And, and the sprinklers just went off. I said, they're a perfect follow-up to Wu-Tang. And that's how I looked at it. <laughs> the sign. So for you, there still had to be an edge or a rock or an element of of your groups, that authenticity. Yeah. To make 100%. it okay. I see. I see. And 
do you mind telling us like a prodigy story just because you know we, we were one of the last shows that he did before we lost him he was like a i mean he was a brother to me i mean just um like he he had such a good good soul and mm-hmm. you know he just wanted to learn and he was like a sponge i think his oldest son or daughter is my oldest son i think they're like four or five months apart and he would say is your son coming to the office i'm like i don't know why he goes i need to come up and i got my kid with me and you know he if he was coming up that means he must have been going over some artwork or, or whatever he was going through mm-hmm. so we were fortunate enough you know to have a nanny so i'm like i'll make sure you see what time you're going to be here so i just had to get approval from my wife and you know and the nanny would watch you know the, both babies you know and and he and he was appreciative like and you know we, we could have arguments and say fuck you to each other but at at the end of the day we would both say you know i love you and you know and it wasn't like we were just, we were just fighting for what we felt and it was never about money it was always about maybe a single or a tour or something like that it was about like we already spent this and we're not going it was just it was about passion and really what was going to get to the next level after the jay-z incident in 2001 did you like how does a label ceo respond to that to reuse uh, like no yeah. sweat off your back just get the next record ready actually wait can you explain the situation to me? I, you know, again, I'm, I, was I'm, in L, I, I was in LA for the summer. Right. I remember g- getting the call and I wanted to call Bane. I'm like, where the fuck did you get that picture? Like, how did you get the picture? Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, we're going to get, you know, I, <laughs> you know, more shit Prodigy than I, didn't even, Prodigy didn't even tell us we're that. We're going to get Ashanti on the show. I, yeah, I, I got the T on that joint. Yeah. All right. So, Ashanti. so. So at the so at the end, <laughs> so at the end of the day, it, it's like man, like let's just get to work, and not even about dissing Jay or whatever. It's like, what's the saying? Sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never harm you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, he we got one on the chin, but you know what? We're still standing, and it's not how many times you fall; it's how many times you get up. All right, y'all. You know what season it is? Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. 
When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Why did you decide to sell the label in 99 because i wanted i you know when us selling to sony we were going to be the third major in the sony system right okay. because columbia epic and now is going to be us and um and it really wasn't about the money it was more about my ego which you know was fucked up i was like all right we're going to be the third major and um i'm going to be able to have this be on the same playing field as Jimmy, as you know, as as everybody else, because I always felt we weren't on the same playing field, and it ended up being the biggest mistake of my life. So you left in '99, so like the whole Project Pat period, and that that, that all came Three Six Mafia. Like we broke Three Six Mafia, we broke Project Pat, we broke Flip, um, Pun Past. During that time, we had Murder Music. Davina was before. Davina was like 95, 96. Mm-hmm. But 98, right around the fun time. Um, so that, you know, and it was just, I never played a corporate game before. You know, we went from a staff of 30 people to the coolest, most creative company out there on, on both aspects, on the marketing side of things and, uh, and then on the record side of things. You know, we did the deal. And next thing you know, I have a staff of 300 people. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, there was this woman, God bless her soul. Her name was Tova Hoffman. You know, she was in her 60s calling me Mr. Rifkin. I'm 35 years old, 36 years old. I'm like, please don't call me Mr. Rifkin, you know. And she was just, a, and I knew then, it was like, how much how much time do we have left in this fucking deal? And it was just like, I was stuck for three years. I started having panic attacks, anxiety attacks. I was like, I just couldn't wait to get the fuck out. And it was the first time. Like, I didn't know which way to look because I, I thought I was getting hit every which way I got for, from corporate. Now, th- there's another Philadelphia connection that you kind of have. Um, my good friend, Charles Stone III, uh, who directed many a Roots video, um, made his debut um, with with a street classic called Paid Him Full. Hmm. Um which is, I believe, one of uh, your first loud film. Could you yeah. talk about the so, process of getting into the movies? Again, I didn't want to be in it. We were doing all. Of, we we were doing all of Miramax's marketing through, through the marketing company. Now you know we're branching out. Now I have every film studio: MGM, Miramax, Warner Brothers, Plus Records, and the street team marketing went to corporate America, and I sold. 25% of the company to a company called Dana Public at that time, which was the largest advertising holding company in the world. Okay. 
So Miramax wants, there's a guy by the name of Scott Lambert, who was an agent, William Morris, who was just a really good, good friend of, um, yeah. a really good friend of mine. And he says, Miramax wants to do urban films. Like I can get you a three picture deal. And I'm like, huh? You, you know, he's like, he was a, a brother to me. I'm like, Scott, that's not going to happen. Why would they give me a three picture deal? So he sets up a meeting. I don't, I don't want to say hard. I think it was Bob Weinstein, but okay. I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't stand Bob. I already had a fight with him once and I beat the shit out of him. Um, he meant this. Oh, yeah. I was Steve. Yeah. Oh, what? All right. We should so, ask those questions too. Like, yeah. yeah. What's so, no, he, I mean, he, he, I mean, he was just a fucking prick. I mean, when, when the big earthquake in LA happened, my office was destroyed. I had to send a report in because I don't give a fuck who died, who this, who that. And I said this. I said, the next time I see you, I promise you I'm going to smack the shit out of you. And I hung up the phone. A year and a half later, my son is four weeks old. He was born June 10th, July 4th, weekend, 1995. I'm pulling off. I, I took a house in the Hamptons, and there's a gas station. I go to take a piss, and there he is. He has no idea who the fuck I am. I smacked him in the face. I said, Bobby, get that. <laughs> and that is our promo, ladies and gentlemen. Steve Rifkin will be on Quest Love Supreme. Smacking motherfuckers up. I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. Back down. Not just any kind. In the hand. Right? So, um, Could have got so locked up for that. Now I got it. So now we're doing a presentation for Davina. You mentioned Davina. Oh, yes. Just, please talk. Please talk. So we're, we're coming. And, um, my brother says, um, Miramax is coming with an offer. By the time we land, was it was Dimension, which was the sister label to Miramax. Mm-hmm. It was like the indie side. Right. Um, I said, Jonathan, you're full of shit. We, we land and we get to the hotel. There's a fucking contract. I don't know if my brother forged my fucking signature. I don't even remember signing the deal. And next thing you know, I have a three-picture. This all happened within a week. A three-picture deal. And they threw crazy fucking money at us. And then Brett Ratner says, um, Bame has an incredible story. Like, but I go, who's going to produce it? I don't know nothing about I don't even know how to produce a record. Like, I'm, I'm going to now produce a fucking movie. He goes, no, you're going to hire this guy, Ron. We hired this guy, Ron. <laughs> and, and, the re- and the rest is history. And they, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, the only thing that I did is we had the deal, but this was, I got to give credit to Dame. Dame did everything. He picked oh, Charles, yeah. he, he did everything. I'm not trying to, take his thunder. I mean, he did everything and we, you know, I just went for the ride. When he asked me to take my name off as executive producer, I was taking my name off anyway because it was based on a true story and I didn't want any fucking headaches, people just coming out of the woodwork. Right, coming at you. Mm. Right. Yeah, so I was taking my name off anyway. I was like, that's not a problem. We now live in a time in which the the African renaissance has truly arrived with like um African music and African artists getting mainstream success. But, you know, I know that you, I, I mean, I won't say a risk, but you were actually ahead of the game. And I believe you signed Akon. Did you not? Yeah. What was it about Akon? And you signed him early, like back in 2004, 2005, I believe. He was, he was right when I left Glad, I started SRC Records. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I signed Banner. I'm a basketball guy. Yeah, David guy. Banner and Acom. Yeah, yeah. I'm a basketball guy, and um, I break my nose playing basketball. Okay. And the macho guy, and the macho guy that I am, 
like, all I really want to do is cry, but my son is watching. He must be eight or nine years old. And I want to show him, like, I have blood all over me, and I want to show him that it's okay to, like, get hit, and you don't have to cry. Meanwhile, I'm seeing three of everything. It's like, you know, if the basket's over there, I shot the ball over there. Right. Like, then I literally just, I never felt pain, like, and I just passed out. And um, when they were taking me to the hospital, uh, Kenny Burns was with me. Huh. And, and yeah. Kenny, he goes, you got to hear this. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And there was only one record that I wanted to hear. And not, I mean, uh, there's only one record that I said, just keep on playing it over and over and over again. And my philosophy was, like, I never considered myself an A&R guy. Like, it was always about the team. Wait, right. so you said Kenny Burns said that? No, I said Ke- Kenny had the tape. Right. And he, and he played it for me. He, he, we, we were playing ball. And now we're going to the hospital to get my nose fixed. Okay, I'm just I'm just tripping. And Kenny Burns is a part of the Akon story. This is amazing. Okay, so um, in those days I flew private, mm. and I just didn't know if I was be allowed to fly. I didn't know what the hell was the matter with my nose. It could have been like a full, you know, brain animal. I didn't know what the fuck I had. You know, they said they broke my nose, and I couldn't really fly for 24 hours for infection. So I just said we're going to Atlanta instead of New York, and um, I met Divine. I met Akon. The, the rest was history. And I pretty much did the same thing. Um, Universal laughed in my face. I said, this is going to be the biggest artist in my career. And they said, oh, this is going to be bigger than war. I'm like, yeah. And um, they laughed and I got so fucking mad. I was like, you know what? Fuck you guys. And I had, um, there was somebody that was with me at Loud who started off as an intern and a street team guy. And then he just grew and grew and grew with me. And then when I started SRC, he became, he was, I gave him a piece of the company and he was my president. Guy by the name of Gabi Acevedo. And his wife was pregnant at the time. And um, I said, God, you do the East and the South. I'll do the West and the Midwest. And we didn't have a video. We didn't have anything. He took Akon and I took Akon to Brother Boo. And I may, we may believe Boo was Akon. And we. Um, what? Wait. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, this is like the Little Richard James Brown situation. <laughs> <laughs> We're both Little Richard and James Brown. We're touring as Little Richard. <laughs> I didn't. Okay. Oh, it happened. So, so um, we had no video. Nobody knew what it kind of looked like. And, oh, um, okay. <laughs> and at the at the end of the day, the record broke in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Salt Lake City, <laughs> which is like. You know, I I, yes. I, 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 fly, I fly into New York with a record called Locked Up with Style. I was just about to say, was it locked right? up? Okay. Right. And I come to New York, and this is, you know, Republic was known for doing their, their research. I shit you not, there's a fucking report like, like this. Must have been 50 pages on every store in Albuquerque and Utah. You, you wouldn't believe how many fucking stores there were, you know, between Target to Walmart. And the shit's going through the roof, sales-wise. And we're like, what the fuck is going on? You know, and I'm like, I'm trying to bring it east. And, you know, and now, you know, and we had to change our philosophy because Republic was a radio company. They didn't understand street records. So I had to cover, like, like Philly came in. Boston came in, Connecticut came in, Miami came in. You know, New York was the last one to come in. You know, and then it was Mother's Day. And I get a phone call from somebody who goes, what the fuck did you do in Brooklyn? I'm like, what are you talking about? 
We'll talk about ACOT, you know, and the truth is I really didn't do anything. We just, we surrounded New York where it would just have to leak in. And with the King's Plaza Mall, you know, the record was being played in every fucking car. You know, that Monday, Ebro calls me up and he says, we're adding the record, you know, and then two weeks later, like the research was like number one requested in like top three call out. I mean, the, re- the record broke. And the, right, it was the first, the first week, I think we scanned 3,000 records. It was the lowest sound scanning record I ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. First week. But each week, it didn't yeah. go 3,000 to 1,500. So stayed at 3,000, 3,200, 3,100. And when that fucking thing just took off, I mean, by, by the fall, we were at 60,000 a week. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even come with Lonely yet. Uh. I was Yo. so tired of that record. Good God, okay. they played the <laughs> shit out of that record. I, I have a confession about Locked Up. I have a confession about Locked Up. And this is before the era of Shazam, where you can't find out who the artist is. I swear to God, for Ooh. a good 21 seconds, for a good 21 seconds, I said, holy shit. Roberta Flack made uh, comeback no. of the century. I'm gone. Yo, I'm- <laughs> but yo, but locked up with Styles Pete was also a remix. I didn't hear his verse, but Akon's voice <laughs> was so I, I can't describe it. It's it's yeah, such a compliment to Akon. Such a compliment. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's androgynous, but I literally thought it was a woman singing, and because it was done in such a rich alto, and I never heard this voice before <laughs> for t- for 20 seconds, I was like, "Wait, a rich like, alto? It, it could happen." I was like, "If, like if, if, if Lauren Hill and Aretha up, Franklin right. are working together, I was like, yo, <laughs> let me find out that Are- that Roberta Flack is about to come back like a motherfucker." <laughs> All right, y'all, you know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Okay, wait, before I let you go, there's one question I always ask of every label CEO. Can you tell me three acts that you almost signed that were close but no cigars? Jay-Z. You could have you signed Jay-Z. B&V, RCA hated me so much. And because we took them for so much money, they didn't want to give us any more money to, to sign Jay. But I go back with Dane since he's 15, 16 years old when he was managing Original Flavor. Wow. Wow. So That's dope. So wow. Jay... Um, he wasn't an act, but he was to me one of the best executives. You know, Irv Gotti. When he had Mike Geronimo, we tried to get the record. Shit. Irv, and Irv will tell you this: we, whatever reason, we couldn't get the sample cleared. And then BMG was saying, "You're wasting your time." And this was literally: I just signed Mob Deep. They said, "You're, you're wasting your time, and we're not going to give you the money to do it. Find something else." So if I did the deal with Mike, I'm sure Irv would have ended up being with me. Are you talking about Master IC or the that second Mike, single what, that he had that was more puffyish? No, the first single. The first. Oh, single. Master IC. That's a goddamn masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh wow. Jay Z, Irv, and then M, and then Eminem. You but, had a chance to sign him. Yeah. Yeah, but but the thing was this. If, if he stayed with us, and I had dinner with Paul Rosenberg a few weeks ago, he wouldn't have been Eminem 400 million records later. Right. He would have been Eminem, he would have been Eminem 50 million records. He was an underground rapper. Yeah. You know, and you talk about Genie in a Bottle, right? So you, yeah. you, you, you're talking about him and Dre just creating magic. Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, he would have been Bob D. He would have been Woo. Your pun, we had a pop record on, was still not to play it, but you know, he would have been just in that lane. That was the only thing we knew how to do. <laughs> wow. So I, I know that, you know, one of the things that's also interesting about your story is the fact that the, how the lineage goes down from your grandfather, your father, to you, and now your, your son is an MC, correct? So my youngest, both my sons played ball. Okay. You know, one, one played college, another one played for a famous high school out in L.A., and he didn't want to go to college. And out of nowhere, he just started rapping. And he put out a record and, and shit. Put the record out himself. He did, you know, a few hundred thousand streams. Flex played the record on his own. Hmm. Without like knowing two, the connection? No, knowing the no, knowing the connection. Okay, okay. But it, but it, but it was during the holidays, so he, played, he had a two-week two run. And um, he was going to music school in Florida, full sail. And it was just, you know, my, my son, he doesn't want to read it. He needs to see it and, and feel it. So he lost his love 
from doing like real schoolwork. That's not him. So, you know, he has 12, 12 of his friends, or like his crew, they're all in the NBA. So he's going to be an intern for Rich Paul um, starting yeah. in December. Dope. The way you're talking about basketball, I feel like Dope. your true passion is owning a team or. Now, I've lost so much money in basketball. I mean, I'll, I'm just, I'm just a fan now. That, that's all I'm going to be. I've lost tens of millions of dollars. But did you try to? No, never try to own a team. But like, my my philosophy in life, and this is what I learned from my dad: if I can help one one person and save their life and put him in the right direction, then I did my job on earth. No money could, you know, that feeling of saving somebody, you can't put a price on that. And you know, so when me and my wife split, mm-hmm. my kids are interracial. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and they all came out different complexion, all three of them. Hmm. You know, one came out really light skin, like Jack the Rapper. Hmm. And so when we split, she moved to Florida. And um, there's an area called Delray Beach. And in this one area in Delray Beach, it's probably the most gang affected in all of Florida in a, in a five block radius. And there was a gym there. And she threw him in there and she goes, you got to learn how to stand on your own. And she wouldn't let me go to any games. And then finally, like, I didn't know what AEU was or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then I, I don't know where, I think she was coming out to late. I don't know where, where she was going, but she goes, oh, you got to pick up Alex at 2 o'clock. He has a game at 12. I get there at 1 to watch the game. And I knew he was gifted. And then, But I didn't know that he had two other games that night. You know, one at 6 and one at 9. Mm. I was in heaven. And I just started going to the games and, you know, they respected him for who he was. And I just minded my own business. I wasn't going to try and buy a team. But the, I didn't know that um, he was 11 and he was playing on a 14-under team and they didn't win a game. Oh. And, and, uh, but now, and he wasn't talking to me with me and his mom separating. Mm-hmm. But now he was back in my life. And I said to the coach, I said, the season can't be over. And he says, well, you know, it's over. I'm like, you got to find something. I go, he goes, well, there's a tournament next week for a 12 and under team. I said, well, Alex is 11. How old is he? And like, we end up putting six guys on the team. He goes, who will coach? I said, I will. He says, what do you know about basketball? I said, enough. I shit you not. I go 70 and 0. That whole fucking song. 70? 70. So Florida is known for football. I know nothing about football. Half my team are professional football players right now. So they were just the best athletes in the world. And I just had them press, and they could all shoot the shit out of the ball and jump. And they were, how old was Alex? He was 11 or 12 at that time, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I really thought I was going to become a professional basketball coach. Like, I had him traveling. We won states. We won nationals. We won the world games. And I just started taking on challenges. And then I get a phone call to buy a tournament which was like a record convention. And mm-hmm. it just like one thing led to another. And I, I mean, I, I lost my shirt, but at the end of the day, that is my happiness. Music, right. Music is the closest thing to God, right? Right. Make you laugh. It can make you cry. Just your memories. It just, it, t- it touches your soul pure and basketball. Just, it just touches me too, where I get fucking crazy. Do you still get an itching for like, 
just one more hit. Metaphorically speaking, as in drugs, not like a hit single, but just is. I mean, are you addicted at all to the adrenaline? Yeah, of I'm, finding I'm, that rare gem. So that, I got this, I, I got this kid right now. His name is Take Forty Five. Okay, from San Diego, California. Mm-hmm. Eighteen years old, self-contained, produces himself. Um, he had eight monthly users on Spotify. And now he's closing in, I want to say, a little under 200,000. He had had 20 followers on TikTok and we're closing in on 300,000 followers. And all this kid is just keep on putting out music and putting out music and his energy is fucking ridiculous. And people will say to me, it's, you know, it's nothing what people are used to be putting out. But you know what? Uh-huh. My, my old day, one of my old A&R guys on the West Coast brought it to me. And it's 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 different. He's self-contained. And each day we're going up slowly, but and he's gonna break. I just don't know when. I don't know how to read records there, but the adrenaline that I get every day and just seeing it if we're up 10 streams or mm-hmm. a thousand streams or getting on a new playlist. I have I was sick for a while. I had a massive heart attack eight years ago. Well, that's why you lost the weight. No, I, I just lost weight because I, I don't want to get another heart attack. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was dead three times. Oh, man. What was that experience that like? Was it just overworking? Was it stress? It was never going to the doctor and not taking care of myself. If I went to a doctor and said, hey, your blood pressure is high. You got to do something. You got to lose 10 pounds. You got to do this. You got to do that. Um, but it was... I'm not blaming my ex-wife. I'm not blaming anybody. It was just me not taking care of myself. You could say stress. You could say this. You could say that. But it was just, you got to know your body and you got to just take care of yourself. You know? Mm-hmm. You, you know. got to make yourself a priority, not somebody yeah, else. Yeah. You know, you, we you all learned that in the pandemic. Thank you, God. No, you, you can't be a victim. And I would, you know, and just like, who wants to hear a victim story? No. At least not of your own self. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you don't feel like a stranger in the strange land in terms of like, yeah, I do. I have no idea what the fuck. Okay, good. I mean, (laughs) I have no fucking clue. I called the Empire Distributors. Gazi to me is the smartest guy in the music business. I don't want to bother him. So I speak to him like, what can I do today? Like, I used to make a call sheet. Right. right. 200 fucking people would be some mix show guys, my street team guys, this and that. Right. right. I got five guys, right? And they all work for me who are all at the DSPs. I mean, I sit here like just twiddling my fucking thumbs and I'll take a nap at three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like but I'm just saying that it, today, like, how is it different now promoting, especially with the yeah. internet at the helm? You, like, have you nobody- were the internet in the early 90s. But you, you have nobody promote to. Like you yeah. can't promote you, you can't promote Spotify. The record, they don't want the record on the radio yet. So my, my day was today, I got him a booking agent at UTA. Right? Mm-hmm. And I was really excited to do your thing. So I went to lunch, made a few calls, and just thinking about the podcast all day. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like freedom to me. That's a dope day. That's amazing. Seriously. I'm like, Wait a minute. I'm, I'm going to get crushed if I don't ask one Asher Roth question. Oh, yeah. All right. Could you talk about your 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 work with Asher Roth and, and like I mean, it was your, Scooter. 
I mean, at the, as great as Asher was, I know he's from Pennsylvania. And, you know, yeah. Right. Um, a guy by the name of Jerry Clark introduced me to Scooter. I was in Atlanta. And Scooter, I think, was still in college. Mm-hmm. And he just reminded me a little of myself. I thought he was a little bit more full of shit. But I thought he was brilliant. And I offered him to become president of a company with no experience. Huh? And he, and he, Wait, and he you said, gave Sco- Scooter his start? I gave Scooter his first record deal. Oh. Shit. Now I feel like there's a question that I should be asking that I don't know to ask because, again, you keep on pulling these historical... I gave Scooter... Yeah, so this, this is what I'm proud of. I gave Scooter his first, his first record yeah. deal with Asher right. Roth. Okay. I gave Guy Osiri. I got him his first deal with Henji and Evil Lee with Ruben Rodriguez at Pendulum Records. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. So Guy you just didn't start at Maverick? Guy was 18 years old. You gave oh shit okay no I didn't sign I, I didn't sign him I made the deal for guy so guy was was managing Henji yeah and Evil Lee at the age of eighteen yeah he was managing I think at the age of sixty and I begged him to I go let's start an independent record company and he fucking said no wow okay All right. guys give my guy Maverick so give, give us another one I want one more yeah it's at least a three yeah like give me some more start bragging <laughs> brag on yourself. <laughs> This is my I, Nori moment. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't brag on myself, but, you know, Scooter, I opened him to become president of SRC. He said no. I said to the guy, let's start a record company. He said no, and I, I made the deal. And then um, and that's, you know, and then Rizza, me, you know, me, Rizza, and Fetcho, you know, those are I got know, it. I, I talked to them. Can I ask you an awkward question that probably nobody ever asked? Was it ever awkward to have that many 5%ers on a label? <laughs> Thank you. Good night. <laughs> um, honestly, it, we should have asked that to Dante also. I mean, the black man is God and the white man is devil. They were all at my wedding. I mean, I never thought about it to just now. Like, I it never came to my, you know. I also now, asked I, that to know, I wanted to know at some point where the, where do they stop? Because I, I feel like also at a certain point, you're helping to make money too. So no, it's you don't like, okay, I'm going to just, I'm going to shut the fuck, fuck up. The bag. But that's interesting. Yeah, That's you never int- fuck with the bag. Right. It's no, like- the, the only one that we had issues with um, was Dead Press. Oh, but, yeah. Um, I forgot about but, Dead Press. But at, at the end of the day, I probably handled it wrong. It was my, my, my ego was hurt. It was like, how the fuck can they not trust me? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I mean, you were there I for was, the first record. Were you there for the second album? No. I can tell. Okay. Oh. I, no, I I wish I wish that second out that second album should have blown up and it didn't. Mm. But, but you know, but then you look at you know MOP any up, you know yeah. it was just like those those are records to this day, you know that still give me goosebumps. Yeah. Stay around forever. Now, I mean, this is the first time I think you and I are talking, man. But I, I've heard yeah. nothing but just stand up things about you and you know all the respect that you had and this is like a long 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 overdue conversation man i, I thank you for yeah coming Where are on you the show are you in new york or are you in la i'm currently in new york all right yeah. so next time i'm in we got to go to dinner no doubt no doubt we'll, daughter, we'll go, exchange numbers after the, the table yeah that's right you got a daughter too yeah, yeah. yeah. Where do you guys want to go for dinner? I'll I'll set yeah. it up and I'll, uh, 
Wait, Sugar, Bill, nothing, no questions? Well, I just, I mean, Steve, it sounds like like you made a lot of close friends and and a lot of people hate you, which makes you an authentic Steve. So congratulations <laughs> on that. And but what a great career. I mean, no, mm-hmm. it just just too much, too much to process. Incredible. Yeah. I, I really wish I was there at Radio City for that night at and the, the that, loud that celebration. Night, that night was so fucking special. I mean, it was I mean, I, I think it was X's last performance. It and was, and it was right before everything shut down. Yep, yep, it was amazing. I was in LA. Radio, that C- Radio City would never be the same after that. They it never won't. saw, they never saw so many people backstage in, in their life. Good. Yeah, I also wanted to know how that was organized and whatnot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, on behalf of uh, Sugar Steve and and Bill and Fontigolo and Laia, the great, Thanks. the great. Steve Rifkin. Yes, thank you for the uh, music. Much love Supreme. And, and Thanks for the music, amazing. man. This was amazing. I hope I didn't talk too much. No, we live for rabbit holing. Trust what me. What is that? Right. What are those words that go together? Talk too much. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> so until next time, ladies and gentlemen, and I, I promise you that I will have better camera uh, working. Yeah. <laughs> They used to. <laughs> yeah, you well, at least, I, I mean, at least, at least Bill and, and Steve look professional. I'm just, I feel like a drunk here. But anyway, thank you uh, for doing this, our this show. Well, yeah, you're getting, you. you're, not, you're not a drunk, but you're getting high too much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you on the next go round. Thank you very much, ladies All and right. gentlemen. This Quest Love Supreme. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.